Welcome to the Story Night Podcast, a place where we share hearts, our hurts, and how God's wonder intersects with the story of our lives. A ministry of Calvary Mac. Here's our host, Jessica Campbell. Hi, ladies, and welcome back to the Story Night Podcast. Tonight, my guest is Rachel, and it's very fun because we've actually known each other for a long time, and we get to do this sitting next to each other in person. I also am excited for this episode because this is such a great example of why we share our stories. You don't even know this yet, Rachel, but I've told so many of our mutual friends that you're going to be on the podcast and share your story. And so many people go, well, what happened to her? They kind of have this, she's got this great life. She's had this great family. What could possibly, you know, go wrong? And it's such a reminder that everybody has a story and we are so blessed to share those. So tonight we're going to spend a lot of time talking about different seasons and we're going to, you know, do the bulk of your story kind of starting in your teen years. But (laughs) before we get to your teen years, Rachel, will you introduce yourself to the listeners and then maybe give us that, uh, Cliff Notes version of birth to mid-high school. (laughs) Sure. Thanks. Thanks, ladies, for listening. My story kind of starts in junior or high school, I would say, would be the kind of where it begins. But I grew up in Northern California in a small town named Chico. I have four siblings and just great parents. We just celebrated their 45th wedding anniversary, and they live just a few miles away from me. And three of my siblings still live in town. So family has always been just a really impactful and important part. Um, Thankful to my parents just for the childhood they gave us. Now as a mom of three kids, I just know how hard it is to be parents. And they just did a great job and grew up in the church and was raised on, on those principles. Just was surrounded by so many people that just helped raise me outside of my parents as well. So yes, family's just been really important. And um, now I live in Chico again. We're back here. We've been back for a little over 10 years. And you'll hear my story of who I got married to and everything like that. But it's just such a sweet time to be back with family. We are celebrating our 20th high school reunion. (laughs) So this is kind of a fun summer to just be looking back at my story as far as I'm turning 40 this year. We had our 13th wedding anniversary and our 20th high school reunion. So it's just kind of a fun time to reflect back on all God has done in my life and yeah, so I'm looking forward to this. <laughs> Thank you. I know we it's it's been fun to reconnect with everybody. Uh, Rachel and her husband went to high school with my husband, so it's a fun it's a fun little reunion we get to have. And you're absolutely right when you do have reunions and you reflect back over all of those memories and where you started and what you went through and where you are now. And of course, our stories aren't over, but we do hit those milestones, those turning points of oh my goodness, where what has God already done? What is he going to do? What's happening in this current season? So we've got some seasons to talk about, but we're going to kind of pick up the story as it junior year of high school. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, so now (laughs) we're, you're a teenager halfway through high school and it's the beginning of uh, what you've called an achieving season. Yes. All right. <laughs> I call this the achieving season because there's a lot of years of just trying to get to where you want to be. But junior year of high school, I was in a girls Bible study and she really challenged us if we wanted to make faith in Jesus our own. And I think when you grow up in a Christian family, it's, you know, I've accepted Christ from a very young age, but at that point, junior year, there's a lot of decisions to be made about colleges and things like that. And she just really encouraged us to make a decision. And I just feel like at that moment, like, yes, this is, I do want to follow Jesus. This is where I want my life to go. And out of that, I chose Christian College, Westmont, down in Santa Barbara. And really, I wanted to be at the beach. I thought I wanted to go to UCSB. 
but we toured UCSB and Westmont and I just, the Lord's grace in leading me there and allowing me to go there. Um, my grandmother and parents helped and to pay that financially. And what a sweet time of four years of um, intense spiritual growth. And I was so thankful for those years, but junior year, that's the year I got baptized. And I think that that was just very pivotal to stand in front of your church and your family and just declare that you have a faith in Jesus. So that led me to, to Westmont. And I still look back on those years just very fondly. And people used to call it Camp Westmont. It's kind of that <laughs> you're in this beautiful location up in the hills of Montecito. And it's probably the first time in my life that I really met and got really close with Christian girlfriends. Even growing up in the youth group and things like that, you know, I had friends that were Christian, but it was the first time that we connected on a deeper level. We used to have a Bible study on our dorm room floor. And we'd all just take turns kind of sharing our lives. And, you know, I met two of my closest friends from there, but there was probably a group of about eight or 10 of us that just really dove in. And I've learned so much spiritually. Um, you attend chapel three times a week when you're there, you take classes in Bible. And I think it was the first time that I really understood that you could study the Bible. And I also questioned too, like in philosophy class, you know, you're questioning the truth and what you want to believe. And mm-hmm. I just remember like all these amazing philosophers, they believed all these different things, like, you know, which one, which one do we choose and just wrestling with that? And like, what is truth? And faith is really believing that you don't understand everything. But um, I just remember that being really impactful. I think the Bible is truth. And just understanding how people in history have tried to to figure those things out and answer those big questions. And so that just really kind of was a springing off of my faith that really has carried me up until now. And I'm just so thankful for those four years. Despite that, though, kind of at the end of those years, I started, I went to end up going to Boston University for a physical therapy school. I studied kinesiology, and that's what I wanted to do. And I went from this very safe, comfortable environment of Westmont to Boston University, huge, very worldly. And I would say, I think all in everyone's faith journey, you hit tests at some point. And looking back, I didn't know that now then, but now looking back, I'm like, I think it was a test of how I would portray Jesus when I was um, stuck in this environment where no one around me really was a believer or very few. And I wish I could say that I did great, <laughs> but you know, we all struggle in our, in our lives. And I was in this very worldly environment. And I also was in a relationship that just wasn't very healthy and it wasn't, didn't reflect my beliefs and convictions as a Christian woman. And I broke promises to myself that I thought I would keep. And just, it was sinful. Just living, you know, when you, when you turn from God and live more in sin, it just takes you down a road that you don't really want to be down. And that's kind of what I was in. PT school, physical therapy school is three years. And somewhere, probably a year and a half in, maybe a year in, I just kind of felt stuck in where I was in that relationship and just kind of spiritually. and kind of, I was sitting on the fence. I don't know if you not really believe I never left my faith, but I wasn't really living my faith. There are so many women that just know exactly what you're talking about. And it's, you know, it's a hard place to be. And I almost, I listened to this sermon about strongholds of where sin mm-hmm. can get you in a stronghold. And I remember thinking, I think that's where I am because I feel stuck and don't know how to move forward. And that one Sunday I went to the front of the church and got prayed over, which is not something I normally would do. They prayed over me. And then I also remember just in my um, dorm, just a silent kind of Hail Mary prayer. Lord, I need help. And I need I need you to get me out of this relationship and out of this stuck place that I'm in. And it wasn't long after that, that this boy from Chico started calling me. <laughs> and I knew him from high school. I actually dated his best friend in high school. So I didn't really know why he was calling me. I just knew he he had he was very friendly with everybody. And so I would call him back. Sometimes I wouldn't call him back. 
remember asking my friend, like, why does, why does he keep calling me? Oh, she said, oh, he just, oh, he just wanted to say hi. Or, you know, she totally <laughs> knew that he had something else in mind, but so little did I know this was the answer to that prayer. It took me a long time to kind of figure that out, but there was a rescue plan in place. I was living in Boston and he was in Davis. So we were very far apart. And he would just all of a sudden be there. I'd be, he knew I would be flying home and he'd be like, oh, I can pick you up from the airport. Or I'd be back with my family and my family, you know, for vacations or weekends. And I'd come home from Boston and he's like, oh, I'm driving by to Home Depot. Can I stop by? And so he would just kind of randomly, he would just always kind of be there. My dad <laughs> caught on to this the way before I did. <laughs> and so that's just kind of how, how this started. And I came back for our Christmas break. And he asked me out to dinner. He was in Davis and he said, oh, I'm on my way to Chico. He was not on his way to Chico. He was on his way driving home. Can we go out to dinner? He was waiting to see what I would say. And I remember being at, talking to my mom about it. And she's like, this is a date. I'm like, mom, this isn't a date. He goes out with people all the time. He just is friendly, you know? And then my, my mom, this is like her, one of her quotes. She said, one night could change your life. If you want to go on a date, go on a date with him. I'm like, oh, it's not a date, but I'll go. So partway through dinner where we're having steak and red wine, all of a sudden it hit me that this was a date. <laughs> so it was just very fun. Like I was very late to the game. And, but it, logistically it seemed hard. I still had two years left of PT school or a year and a half. I was living in Boston. But over that break, it was about two weeks. We had our first date and we went skiing and several different things. And finally he kind of revealed his feelings for me. And I remember just asking him, is this for long-term? Cause I'm not interested in anything that's not, you know, real. And he said, yes. So it's just very, it was very quick once we, we had the history of growing up together and knowing the same people. And so once he kind of revealed those intentions to me, I was on board very quickly. However, I had to fly back to Boston. So that was just kind of a bummer. So we spent those two weeks together and then we were long distance for the next nine months or so. That's actually when we got engaged nine months later and then married another nine months later or so. So the long distance was was hard, but it gave us a chance to have a lot of conversations and talk. And we saw each other about every six weeks. So that actually worked out. And I had clinicals back in California. So I was able to see him over summers. A lot of our relationship was traveling. So it was very fitting how he proposed to me, which is fun. I still have these pictures. I was flying back from Boston and I actually knew he was going to propose that weekend and we had a big fight about it. So he knew that he was going to have to surprise me somehow because I knew it was going to happen that weekend because actually my mom had kind of mentioned that he spoke to my parents and took them out to dinner and, and asked them. So that was, I kind of knew it was coming and I wanted to have control over the situation. So we had a big, <laughs> one of our biggest fights in 13 years was before we got engaged. So I knew he knew he had to do it before before I even made it to Chico. So I was flying from Boston to San Francisco and then a really small flight to San Francisco to Chico. And he he has his whole backstory of how he got a ticket on that airplane. I was I got on the little tiny flight and you walk from like outside in the airport. You're outside up the stairs because it's so small. And I sat down and the stewardess called, is there Rachel on the airplane? Can you come to the front? And so I walked to the front and there was Brandon dressed in these, he was disguised because he was hiding in the airport for two hours. He had this like hoodie and a hat and he's on his knee with his ring on the airport stairs. And he had asked some stranger to take pictures. That's how we got pictures. So he proposed to me and I said, yes. And then I remember saying, what are you wearing? <laughs> it was just, he's wearing his cousin's clothes. 
And then I, you know, you're kind of at that moment, I'm like, oh, do we leave now? You know, walking out of the airplane. He's like, no, I'm on this flight. We're flying home. So he, we flew home together. The ladies in the front row were crying and everyone shuffled around so we could have our seats together. You know, it's like a 20 seater play, you know, 40 seats or something. It's a small airplane. So then once we made it to Chico and got off the flight together and we got to see our family. And so he did a great job in, in, in surprising me, even though I knew it was coming. Oh, good job, Brandon. I, I don't think I had like heard the details of that story before. And it just, you know, I'm sorry, listeners, you don't, for those of you who don't know Brandon personally, I feel like you're missing a piece of this story because it just, it just is so much better when you, when you know him and you know his personality. Yes. To- picture all of this and some poor person got kicked off that flight so he could be on it so (laughs) we're sorry it was a full flight so after we were engaged I still was living in Boston and so I was home for that weekend and then had to fly back to finish PT school my last clinical was in San Francisco and he was in Vacaville so we got to see each other every weekend and then I moved home and our wedding was in July and we married and moved to Vacaville for me, I knew he was the right one because I lived in Santa Barbara. I lived in Boston. And I remember asking him, would you ever move to Santa Barbara? And he said, nope. <laughs> so I and he, so I knew I loved him to marry him to travel anywhere. And we ended up living in Vacaville. And it was great. We were away from family. So we really kind of could establish our own marriage. I had my first job at Kaiser. He was working at his contractor job for quite a while there. It was just a sweet season of us starting our lives together. We were there about two years. He lost his job. It was the recession and we knew he, he, he was going to lose his job for about a year. So we, we were prepared for that. And I had a good job. I was working and in our second year of marriage, we got pregnant with our first baby. We kind of knew that we'd be moving back to Chico. And that was a hard decision for me. Change has always been hard for me. I didn't know the sweet blessings that were here with our family. Once you have babies and you're close to your family, for me, it felt like going backwards. I was going back to this hometown that I didn't really want to go back to. But the Lord knew what we needed, and we did end up moving to Chico a month before we had our first baby. And this is kind of the season. I called out the achieving season. So I got my high school degree, a college degree, graduate degree, and I got a husband. So that was the achieving, <laughs> the achieving season. You got, you got your MRS. <laughs> right. So you know you're just, those early years in life, you're achieving towards things and towards goals. This next season, I call it the humbling season, and this would be the baby years. We had our first baby, and so blessed to you know even have her and we are back with family but it's just a rough introduction you don't sleep she cried all night angel during the day brandon was building up his business again it was the recession it wasn't he didn't come back to like a booming business he was building it back up so just that kind of started the humbling phase and the next several years we had two more babies so all about two years apart i have three kids and i was doing really pretty good until that third baby this is the real humbling humbling part <laughs> of this season my third pregnancy was was pretty hard as far as I had was diagnosed with gestational diabetes, which is not a big deal once you get used to it. Um, I did have to do injections, really watch my diet. But the week I found out, I think was was really hard. My husband, Brandon, had meningitis, viral meningitis that we found out. We didn't know at the time which kind it was. He woke up vomiting like 5 a.m. one day and he told me it hurt to look down, which I knew. <laughs> from childhood and my mom telling me all the time, always asking us if our neck hurt, that was a really bad sign. So he ended up in the ER. They did a spinal tap. They knew it was meningitis. They didn't know what kind. I was 10 weeks pregnant. If it's bacterial, kills you very quickly and it's very contagious. So it's just a really scary time of, he was in a ton of pain. So just watching him 
you know, for two days, just kind of lay in a hospital bed and try not to move. And painkillers weren't hitting it really at all. And so once we knew it was meningitis, but we didn't know what kind that it was like that almost a 24 hour period. And I remember just going home again. I was pregnant wondering like, I might lose this baby if it's bacterial, we've all been exposed and just being on my knees and singing that song. I surrender all. And just with open hands, weeping and saying, you know, you have my husband's life in your hands. It is not me. And we like, I like to be in control. (laughs) We may be a common theme in this story, but that was just one of those moments in life. I think maybe we all get there at some point where you have to surrender your spouse or your kids and just, you know, you give and you take away, Lord, I have no control and you might take him away, you know? Well, and if you look at your story up until that point, especially from the outside looking in, it's pretty picture perfect, Mm. you know? quality family, high school, college degree, graduate degree, husband, children, mm. like kind of all for a lot of us women, we we kind of paint our life picture mm. and the order it goes and the timeline. Generally speaking, your life up until that point kind of matched the dream life for many women. And then here you are and looking back, 24 hours doesn't sound like a long time. But when you, for those of you who have been in one of those, 24 hours is a long mm-hmm. time when you really, truly don't know, am I about to lose everything? Yeah. And it was, it was just one. And I remember saying, Lord, you have this. And there was a faith in that, not knowing how it was going to turn out. And I think when you do surrender that and you do have faith, it's just a sweet rest in the Lord that he gives you. So the next day we found out it was viral meningitis, which... There's not much you can do to treat it, but it just, it will run its course. So he was in the hospital for three days. And during that week, that was when I was told I had gestational diabetes with my third. I remember thinking like, Lord, really? Like this week, this is when I get diagnosed with this. And it's, you know, you get the call from the doctor, which is never a good thing if the actual doctor is calling you. So I started on that journey with, and it was, you know, in one sense, my healthiest pregnancy, I ate very healthy. Then our third baby was born. I have a girl, boy, girl. So she was a girl. This was the next phase of the humbling season. If, I think everyone has a different breaking point. Three kids was my breaking point. And I just, I have this vivid memory of sitting in the rocking chair with her feeding, feeding my third. I had a two-year-old and a four-year-old thinking like, how am I going to get them all dressed today? It just overwhelmed beyond belief, which getting kids dressed is not a big of a deal. But at that point, it just felt so much to care for these, these little ones at that age, they need everything and a newborn and you're exhausted and I just had this, I just remember kind of feeling like crawling to my porch during nap time and opening my Bible and just pouring out to the Lord, just asking him for help because I couldn't, I, I couldn't do it. And I, there was feelings of failure too, which was the lies I started to believe that I couldn't be a mom. I had these three kids and I really couldn't do it. Up to this point in my life, I kind of could do it. And at this point I could not. And I was involved in a mom's group at that time. Small groups have always been really important to me throughout my whole journey. We were in a small group for young marrieds when we were first living in Vacaville. And then I was in this mom's group and just receiving encouragement. And my biggest question at that time is, is this worth it? Can I be a mom? I have a great career that I could go back to. Maybe I should just do that. There's a book by Sally Clarkson. If you haven't read Sally Clarkson, I would highly recommend. She has lots of books. Her book, The Mission of Motherhood, really just spoke to me at that time. It's kind of another common theme in my life is just different books or Bible stories that have helped me through different seasons. And she has a quote that just really speaks to that. I'd like to read the quote just because it was kind of explains exactly what I was going through at this time. 
And it's kind of the question, is motherhood worth it? Is it, is this how I should spend my time or should I just go back to work? Because like, I'm good at that. (laughs) This is the quote. What had I gotten myself into? A challenging career suddenly seemed more productive to me because I could measure the results of my work. These precious little ones had endless needs. They were busy little sinful creatures who demanded all of my body, time, life, emotions, and attention. As much as I loved my children, I often felt like a failure. Surely someone else could do a better job with these precious ones than I. And what exactly was I supposed to be accomplishing anyway? So that just kind of summed up that season of having three kids and feeling like I couldn't do it. You know, I'm glad you mentioned as you kind of started talking about this, that there's a different breaking point for everybody Mm. because there are probably women listening who maybe have one child and are feeling that sure. They might think I shouldn't feel that because I don't have five, you know, or the woman that's got three kids, but then she knows somebody who has, I mean, we've had a guest on here who had 12 kids, Mm. you know, and, but every story is different. And, and I, I think we fall into the trap of comparing ourselves to everybody else and thinking I should be able to handle this because somebody else has it harder or more challenging or whatever. And I, hopefully that quote from that book speaks to so many women. And for those listening who don't have children that they're raising, that quote fits so many other life chapters mm-hmm. as well. So, so I hope if you're listening and you're like, well, I'm not a mom, this doesn't relate to me. I think you can find a way that it, it resonates to a different life chapter. Yeah. And for me, feeling a failure or failure is just something I've struggled with throughout. So it could be, you know, failure in anything that you're doing. Mm-hmm. And it's a lie to to believe that, that you are a failure. Another pivotal part of this season of motherhood and three kids, I I met with a mentor. She was great. She, uh, I guess, 20 years older than me, has six kids and homeschooled as well. I'm, I'm a homeschooler as well. So she just, she was just kind of took me under her wing. And I remember at one point being like, I don't even like my kids, you know, looking at them. And she was just so sweet. She's like, you just need to get three hours a week to yourself. And she just really kind of helped me navigate. And another really pivotal part with her is we did a Bible study about the armor of God and just understanding that there is a spiritual battle happening. And those lies that we believe often are from the enemy or um, it's spiritual battle. And she, another part that she told me is oftentimes when God has you where he wants you is when you feel the battle the most. Mm -hmm. And that kind of answered to that question of, should I be here with my kids? Should I raise my kids? And perhaps it was because I was right where God wanted me that I felt a lot of those lies and the spiritual battle going on in my mind. And she just helped me be able to identify those lies and then confess them and then speak truth over them. So instead of I'm a failure, you say, Lord, I'm sorry for believing that lie. And the truth is I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So it's you're replacing that lie with a truth. And that's what you can repeat in your mind when those thoughts come back. Isn't it? It's so easy. We can do that for other people. Right. I mean, if <laughs> if I sat here and said, Rachel, I am a total failure, you would never let me keep that thought. You would be like, no, you're not, you know, but we we're a lot harder on ourselves, I think. Well, and that's why meeting with someone and confessing your, you know, what's going on because they can see that I think more than you can. And, you know, sin loves to be in the dark. So when you bring it out, yeah. you know, someone else can speak into your life and say that is such a lie sometimes when you can't, when you can't see that for your own because you're in it. I got to throw this like commercial break in here because you mentioned having a mentor. Yes. And women, if you've been listening to this podcast for a while, you've heard me say this multiple times. If you are not in a mentoring relationship, get a mentoring relationship, be a mentor, find a mentor, do both. It's, it's life-changing. And I know it's daunting to 
try and look for that. And it can feel awkward to create such an intentional relationship. But if you are part of a church family, many churches have kind of programs and groups that just naturally lead into mentoring relationships. And if you're not, you can still reach out and find that. And that's just always my prayer over so many women. And you can ask that yourself, God, I, I need a mentor. Give me a mentor Mm -hmm. and watch what he does. Sure. And it is mentorships and small groups have had a huge impact in me. So it is so important, Mm -hmm. especially when you fill in over your head um, with whatever season that you're in. Absolutely. So that was called the humbling season. I'm not sure I'm ever out of the humbling season. Are we ever? <laughs> I, would ever I wouldn't say these are an ABC order or one, two, three. It's kind of for like a constant. But I wanted just to share some pivotal moments I've had in my life. I call them sweet moments with the Holy Spirit and just some healing, some truth revealed, questioning God and why things are that way and him gently telling me why. So kind of getting back to that third pregnancy I just had kind of some anger coming up and I remember just against my kids or, you know, how those like anger feelings kind of bubble to the surface and really asking God, why, why do I feel some of this anger? And just kind of feeling, I was questioning God about why he gave me three kids. And I had really, I didn't mention this, but before we had, before we got pregnant with our third, I remember just really praying. I went on birth control for one day and then I prayed, Lord, do you want me to have another baby? And I just heard the words, yes. So I did, I went off birth control and we had our third baby and, the pregnancy was felt hard. The season with Brandon being sick during that time was hard. And then the year after she was born, I just, again, like I said, it was just feelings of failure. Like I couldn't do it. I just remember asking God, like, I asked you for this baby and you gave him, gave her to me, but why was it so hard? Why did you make it so hard? And it's kind of the wrong question to ask God, <laughs> but you know, when you're broken and you're really just wondering and I remember clear as day, just that thought of and the Lord saying, she is your gift. And that was just exactly what I needed to hear, that she was a gift to me. And isn't that the truth with all of our children? But I think when I asked for another baby, I wanted it to be easy. And it sure wasn't easy. And how often, whether it's a child or not, but it's something hard, but that hard thing is a gift. And, you know, it, it brought me to that humbling phase, which we all need to be at if we're going to surrender our lives. And he knew that that's what I needed to fully continue to surrender, to surrender my strength and take on his strength and not mine. So that was just a sweet moment of kind of, I guess you could say it was healing, but just having a question answered of why did you make this so hard? And that's not what it was. She was my gift. Another um, pivotal moment for me, kind of in the same time of life was going back to kind of that unhealthy relationship I was in and just sure I was carrying a lot of shame from I was in that relationship way back in graduate school I mentioned that and just this was someone who didn't share my beliefs and just making sinful choices and even though God rescued me out of that gave me Brandon and I I really moved on we you know had three kids we were moving on but there was still some underlying shame like that I carried and again I feel like it came out in anger that's another kind of recurring theme of just those feelings of anger over things you shouldn't really be angry about. And usually it's because of a past hurt or mm-hmm. something you haven't dealt with. So I was reading another book, another common theme called the Holy spirit by John Bevere. And it was just a Bible study I was doing on my own. A friend had recommended it to me. It talked a lot about forgiveness. I remember just asking the Lord, is there anyone I need to forgive or ask forgiveness from? 
And three names popped into my mind and I wrote them down. I'm like, okay, that doesn't seem very easy. Took me a full year to, but I really felt like there's three people I needed to apologize to and get their forgiveness to have them forgive me. And it took me a full year. Two of those people were kind of from that season in my life where I just felt like I was living on the fence and not, not living a life that I should have lived. And one was just from a current situation in my town. So after that year of, of finally apologizing and everyone was very gracious and forgave me there was just this release of shame I was kind of given this picture just in my mind almost just a not a vision but just a picture of this canyon like steep canyon with a river running through it and then just huge rush of water coming around a corner and just like blowing through the canyon and rushing through the canyon and just washing away that sin and shame and there was such a freedom there And I think when you hide something and when you're not willing to talk about what you've done in your past, it just festers. And that's Mm -hmm. what was happening. And at that point, total freedom. I felt like I could share the story and I was free from that shame. I mean, praise Jesus for that's what he does for us. And again, if you, if you seek, you will find, if you ask, (laughs) he will give you what you need. And it's not always easy. It took me a year to, to even have the courage to talk to those three people, but I did it. And just received a a new, uh, just re- again, freedom from that shame, a new freedom, I suppose you could say, from, from that shame that I had carried for several years. Mm-hmm. You've mentioned two books already. And, and ladies, if, if you're, you know, driving or something and you're going, I want those books, I but I can't write this down. As always, they will be in the episode notes. We'll put some links there for you if you want to check those out. And, and these are actually a third book that impacted your life what was that one yes so as you can tell I'm a reader (laughs) but if you like to listen to audiobooks you could could do the same way but I love to read and I was actually listening to this other podcast I've never listened to and they mentioned um this book called quiet by Susan Cain and it's all about introverts living in an extroverted world it's not necessarily a spiritual book it's actually kind of based in the business world but Susan Cain is the introvert just talking about her kind of journey through her business life so I just, I automatically ordered that book on Amazon, not really knowing, and it had a profound impact on my life. I even gave it to my dad and he thought it was wonderful. So it was just one of those books that I knew, listening, that's the reason I listened to that podcast so I could order this book. But another thing I've questioned about God or feeling like a failure is I am that introvert and he's given me three kids. When my oldest was about four, I had the a preschool application in my hand all filled out and I'm just praying over it and I just kind of gently felt those words in my in my mind of you do this you do you can do it and I was around a lot of homeschooling moms at that point too and I just kind of felt like okay we'll try this homeschool thing and we did that year but I really felt like he led me towards homeschool and you know I'm now I'm into my starting my seventh year of homeschooling but at that point it was just kind of a trial of okay I'll try this Lord eventually all three kids were homeschooling and it's not necessarily easy. And I remember just thinking like, Lord, you gave me these three kids. You've called me to homeschool them, but you made me this way. You made me as an introvert who likes quiet and order and finishing <laughs> one task before the next. And that book quiet really made, helped me understand like how an introvert works. And I just remember being like, Lord, why did you make me this way? And then give me this life. I was studying Exodus and Moses kind of had a similar question. God called Moses to go speak to Pharaoh and to free his people. And Moses had all these excuses why he couldn't do it. 
one of them, which was he didn't speak well, and he was called to speak to Pharaoh. And I just wanted to read this out of Exodus 4, verse 11 and 12. The Lord said to him, so this is the Lord talking to Moses after Moses is saying, I can't do this. I can't even speak. And the Lord said to him, who gave man his mouth? Who makes him deaf or mute? Who gives him sight or makes him blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I will help you speak and will teach you what to say. And that was what I felt like an answer to me of like, Lord, I can't do this. I can't homeschool these three kids. And it's the Lord saying, I made you and I'll teach you how to do it along the way. And again, it comes back to that. I was wanting to live in my own strength. And the Lord is saying, no, you got you have to live in my strength and I will teach you along the way. So it's just an, yet another reminder as it was having three kids. And now I'm on this raising kids and homeschooling them journey of him saying, don't do it in your own strength. I made you and know what you need. And to me, that's a continual lesson. And even as we're approaching the school year now, you know, I, I like summer. <laughs> I like not having to do, to do all this and homeschool feels hard sometimes. And, but just kind of praying this year, I'm just praying for contentment and Lord, give me what, what I need for this school year. That was just another pivotal moment of me questioning the Lord of why things the way they are, why things are the way they are and him gently nudging me and re- reminding me that he is God. He made me and he'll teach me along the way and he knows the best way. So it's just another another reminder for those out there who maybe are questioning why you're in a certain season of life and mm-hmm. ask the Lord why and he'll reveal it to you gently and profoundly. <laughs> and as you look back, it's it's so much, I think in some ways it's easier the older we get, you can look back and go, well, hmm. that didn't make sense, but now it does. There are still pieces we don't know, but we have enough evidence of his goodness to have our feet on solid ground. Well, I think it's just a reminder too of when you look back and like, oh yeah, that's like, I learned that really cool lesson, but it did not feel good at that time. (laughs) And just, you know, it's just, you continue to seek the Lord and ask if you're, you know, ask him for that Bible story you need, ask him for that verse, ask him for that book that you're supposed to be reading, that podcast you need to listen to. And I feel like he uses all of those to, to speak to us and help us learn that lesson that we're needing to learn. And I wanted to just close with just kind of similar seasons of life. If you're finding yourself in that storm, in that season that feels hard. um, One thing that I learned about in that armor of God study was the sword of the spirit is the word of God. The word of God, our Bible is a sword. It can kill those lies that we're thinking in our mind and it can calm the storm. And I just love the story of Jesus calming the storm in Matthew 8, 23 through 27 The disciples are freaking out. There's a big storm. And Jesus says, you have little faith. Why are you so afraid? And he asked that question before he calmed the storm. So I love that. Like, you have little faith. Why aren't you trusting me? These disciples have seen so many things Jesus had done, so many miracles. And he kind of, you know, that's kind of a hard question to, you have little faith. Why are you so afraid? The next verse is, then he got up and rebuked the winds and the waves, and it was completely calm. I have said this verse out loud in the kitchen when I was feeling like I was in the middle of a storm. And you know what? He calms the storm and he gives you peace in the midst of the storm. I think it's just a good reminder as you look back on the seasons of your life or whatever season you're in at the moment, whatever season you're going into, that the word of God is there. We're called to have faith, not be afraid, and he can calm that storm. Ladies, I hope you can just park on that verse for a moment because you all have storms in your life and every storm looks different. 
but there is no storm that God can't calm. Mm -hmm. With that, Rachel, I was hoping that you would uh, pray for the women listening and pray for their storms because we know storms come in all shapes and sizes. (laughs) Father God, I just thank you for how you plan our lives, Lord, and how you gently um, lead us. And I just pray for everyone listening, Lord, whatever storm that they're in, that you would reveal yourself to them, that they would seek you out, Lord, and that you would reveal yourself and that they could feel that peace that you provide and that you would comfort them, Lord, and just surround them with your arms, Father, and um, lead them through that storm, calm that storm, give them the resources they need to get through that, Lord, and then give them insight of just what they could learn through that and share with others, give them the courage to share their lessons and what they've learned, Lord, and just how we can be so encouraged by other people's lives and what we've gone through. And I just thank you for carrying me through all these 40 years, Lord, and just gently leading me and and being my rock, Lord. And I just pray that these women could feel you in their lives and that you would be their foundation and their rock, Father, as as the storms rage and the waves crash and it feels chaotic. And we know that you are steadfast, Lord. And I just pray that each woman could feel that love from you and um, that steadfastness, Father. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Rachel. You're welcome. Thanks, Jessica. Time to do this. And it's so, it's, we were talking before we started recording, just talk about coming full circle. I mean, amazing to see how creative God is. And I think he smiles at just like, look what I did. Who would have ever thought? And gosh, your marriage is such a testimony of that too. Nobody would have ever paired you and Brandon (laughs) together back at the beginning, but Boy, did God know what he was doing. He knew what he was doing. And it is funny because we had our uh, 20th high school reunion and we were probably the least likely couple to ever be married. And when we told people we got married, they're like, what? You know, and it's just so sweet to see how God brought us together. And even in those early years when I questioned, like, do I marry the right person? It was very evident that he he had put us together. So I'm just thankful for how he orchestrates those stories and, you know, how they work out and just nothing that you could have come up with on your own. (laughs) Amen. That is, that is it. Your life story is going to take turns that you could have never written or dreamed or wanted. (laughs) (laughs) And then just watch what God does. I, I, I love it. So we appreciate you sharing your story. Ladies listening, we appreciate you tuning in. We hope you were blessed and encouraged and that you feel that you can find some peace in the middle of whatever storm that you are in right now. Thank you for listening. And we hope you join us next time for our next story. Good night, y'all. The Story Night Podcast. A ministry of Calvary Mac. For more women's stories, visit calvarymac.com slash women. Women.